Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of uh, Genesis, uh, chapter um, 41. Genesis, chapter 41. Now, we've been trying to give you some high points in the book of Genesis. And in the 40th chapter, if you'll remember, we gave you the interpretation of the two dreams of the chief butler and the chief baker, and how that these dreams were fulfilled. Before that, in the 39th chapter, you remember Joseph was uh, tempted and falsely accused and cast into prison. And then in the prison, he gives the interpretation of these two dreams of the chief butler and the chief baker. And those dreams were fulfilled in that uh, the chief butler was restored to his place and the chief baker was hanged. Exactly what Joseph predicted would happen according to their dreams. And in the 41st chapter, we have Pharaoh. He has two dreams. And if you remember Pharaoh in the 41st chapter, and by the way, you can glance at the passage of Scripture as we go along, and we won't repeat it so many times, but I'll just rehearse it for you. You know, there were, in Pharaoh's two dreams, he had uh, the first one was there seven uh, fat kine or cows come up out of the river and and then seven lean and skinny and looked like they were just starving to death came up and devoured the first seven. And they couldn't be told that uh, they were any fatter after the, devouring the first seven of these fat ones. And uh, so then he had, saw another dream. In his dream, he saw seven good and full ears of corn or ears, seven full ears, he says. And I suppose it was corn. And so he saw these seven full ears, well uh, uh grown and everything, and then the seven lean ears of corn looked like they were just blasted with east wind, he said, and they sprung up after them, and, and the seven lean ones devoured the seven uh, good ears, and uh, Joseph tells us that that dream is one. And when you get down to verse 8, it says, it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof, and fared Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. You know, the wise men and the magicians could not interpret this dream. And so the chief butler remembers what happened in the prison. And in verse 9 it says, Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. We dreamed... Uh, a dream in one night, I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream did he interpret. Came to pass as he interpreted to us. So it was uh, me he restored into mine office, unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. So Pharaoh calls Joseph. Out, to be delivered out of the prison to come and interpret his dreams. And he does all kinds of good things for him. And down in verse 16, Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And then uh, the Pharaoh rehearses from verses 16 on down to 24 the same thing that we just told you. Let's read this part. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, verse 17, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat fleshed and well favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor and very ill favored, and lean flesh, such as I've never uh, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them up, that it, they had eaten them. 
but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke. Now there's his first dream. Then he rehearses the next. And I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up on one stalk, in one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven ears withered, thin, and blasted. Uh, with the east wind sprung up after them, and the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this to the, unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it unto me. You know, you might say, well, uh, that's an awful, peculiar dream. And yet, you know, in dreams, all things are possible. You see, you see uh, houses, you know, I've dreamed before, and I, I dream about a house that I was living in. And, you know, then you dream about a little house you lived in and you put it all together and then you have another one that you're moving into and it seems like it's all combined. All kinds of funny things happen in dreams. So don't think, but God was especially in this one to show Pharaoh a special, and give Pharaoh a special message. And in verse 25, and Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. Instead of two dreams, they have one meaning. The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one, and the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do. He showeth unto Pharaoh, Behold, there cometh seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine falling, for it shall be very grievous. And it says in uh, verse 32, and for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. You remember the Bible says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. And he says these two dreams have established, God has established this, that this is the way it's going to be. And then in verse 34, uh, Joseph begins to give counsel to Pharaoh concerning what's, what is best to be done, uh, expecting seven good years and then seven lean years. And he tells Pharaoh, you must start doing this. And he gives him counsel and guidance. And if you'll notice in verse uh, 34, he says, Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food for those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants, of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the Spirit of God is? In other words, they recognized Pharaoh and all of his leaders recognized that Joseph was the man that could give them guidance. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in uh, vestures of fine linen and put gold, a gold chain about his neck and he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had and they cried before him be, 
bowed the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephna Panea. And you know what that means? It means the Savior, the Savior of the world. So he called him the Savior. He was about to be the Savior. He put the ring on his hand. This ring is a signet of authority, a stamp of authority. That means that when you know that in the old times, if they took the ring and they sealed it, the wax seal, and they put the insignia of that ring on there, that meant that that's the way it was. The king said it would be this way, could not be altered or changed. So he was giving him a sense of authority. Remember what happened to the prodigal son? The father said, put shoes on his feet and the ring on his hand. He lifted, lifts us up from being paupers. You know, the poor went barefooted and the middle class went uh, with sandals. And the ones that were in a good position of life wore shoes. And he says, put shoes on his feet. Put shoes on his feet. God has lifted up, us up to a place of, of respectability. And he's given us the ring and the seal of authority. And God has blessed us. We sing the song. Count your many blessings. God has done great things for us whereof we are glad. And we can rest assured that, that Joseph was exalted to a place of honor and respectability. In verse 46 says, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenish years... The earth brought forth food by handfuls, and he gathered up all the food for, of seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up uh, in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came. And he tells of these sons. And the sons' names were Ephraim and Manasseh. And we'll go on down to verse 54. It says, The seven years of dearth began to come, according to Joseph, as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands. But in all land of Egypt there was bread. Why? Because Joseph had laid up the corn, hadn't he? And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said unto all, his, all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph. What he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph uh, for to buy bread, or for to buy corn, rather, I beg your pardon, because that the famine was so sore in all the lands, came to buy corn. So Joseph is seen as the one that is dispensing bread to a perishing world. He's the one that has the... Uh, ability to provide bread for all the hungry of the world. You know, when we think of Jesus, He's the only one that can provide the bread of life to a hungry world. He says, I am the bread of life. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. So Jesus is dispensing bread. Not physical bread, but spiritual bread. The bread of life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now in chapter 42, let me tell you what we'll have in chapter 42. Jacob hears that there's corn in Egypt, and then Joseph's ten brothers go down to buy corn. Benjamin stays at home because, uh, remember, Joseph and Benjamin are actually full-blood brothers. The others are half-brothers, and etc. And Joseph and Benjamin are the only two, as we've already taught you. And so uh, Jacob will not send Benjamin. He, he, he's the son of his right hand. He's the son of his old age and the one that he dearly loves. He would dare not send Benjamin down with these ten brothers. 
And remember that Jacob thought Joseph was dead. And so uh, he sends these boy, uh, bro brothers down to buy corn. Let's begin to read again chapter 42. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one to another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. Jacob heard there was corn in Egypt. You know, when you hear that there's bread to be had when you're starving, when there's a famine in the land, you go where the bread is, go where the food is, you go where the corn is, you go where the meal is. Okay? Verse 3, And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief uh, befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. They found that they had to do exactly what Joseph predicted in his dream. Look at verse 6. Joseph was governor of all the land, of e all the land and, he, uh, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Hadn't Joseph dreamed a dream before that? They didn't know that right now that this dream that Joseph had was being fulfilled in what they were doing. You see, it's a long while yet before Joseph reveals himself to them. They don't know who it is. But yet they're bowing down to him, aren't they? And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, knew them, but he made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And said, he said unto them, Wherefore come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not, knew not him. Uh, and Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, You are spies to see the nakedness of the land you are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land you are come. Joseph says, You've come to spy out the land. You've come to see what you can steal and take home. You want to you do something uh, wicked and mean. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan, as if Joseph didn't know, because they didn't know him. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father. Now look, and one is not. One is not. Don't you know every time they said one is not or Joseph is gone, that their conscience would begin to smite them for selling him into bondage? And Joseph said unto them, That is it that I spake unto you, saying, You are spies. Hereby you shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh you shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh surely you are spies. And see, Joseph, what he's trying to do, he's trying to bring them to a place where they'll uh, fess up, where they'll admit what they've done, where they, their conscience is already convicting them, and uh, he wants them to confess and come out in the open with what they've done with, uh, in selling him into bondage. And he put them all together in, into ward three days. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do, and, I, and live, for I fear God. If, if you be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses, but bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, "We, What, what happened? Look, look at this. We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul 
when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. You know what? God has a way of showing people why that certain things happen to. God just has a way of telling them. Now, it doesn't mean that things will not happen anyway. Some things happen. But some things happen for a purpose to teach us a lesson. And all of this was happening, and all of this had come upon them, and God was working. He not only sent Joseph down to preserve life, but he worked this out to where these brothers would be chastened at the same time because of what they had done, and their conscience was already convicting them. And they are now smitten in their own conscience for doing what they did. And they said, for this cause, this distress has come upon us. How many times have we heard that? I hear it every few days. Someone say, Brother Joyce, this happened to me. Reckon why this happened. Well, they know why it happened. I didn't have to tell them. See, God, God showed them why it happened. A lot of times we bring all the ills upon ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that we will not have things that happen to try us and test us. But it does mean many times during the process of that, God will be speaking. You know, old Job says, God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. He says sometimes in the visions of the night and sometimes in other ways, but he speaks. He speaks to us. And we have to be open-hearted and willing to let God's Holy Spirit deal with us. And according to the Word, let it work conviction uh, in our hearts and minds. And then we see, well, we better straighten, our, uh, straighten up our act, so to speak. Right? And so, right here, we are verily guilty. In verse 22, And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear? Therefore, behold, also his blood is re required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept. You know, it, it's never pleasing to God's people for other people, that even other Christians that are backslidden or something, having to suffer and be chastened of the Lord. It's never pleasing, but sometimes it happens. And he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and commanded, uh, communed with them and took from them Simeon, bound him before the eyes. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money in his sack and to give them provision for the way. And thus did he unto them. You see, they came down to buy corn. But Joseph is making known that their deliverance is by grace. It's not by money. Joseph didn't need their money. And he's letting them know by putting the money in the sack's mouth, it has a dual purpose more than that one purpose, but at least that they couldn't buy their way. You know, if God gives you something, he gives it to you. God gives you salvation by grace, doesn't he? The bread of life is for free. We receive Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And anything you try to do to pay for it is just, is just so much wasted time. God has given you that. Now, there's a lot of things we ought to do for thankfulness and gratitude, and most of us uh, find a way from time to time to, to show that uh, gratitude to, to the Lord. But uh, Paul says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That's about all we can, we can do. We sing a song, could my tears forever flow, could my zeal no longer know, these for sin could not atone, thou must save and thou alone. All the crying, all the, all the works, all the... Things that we could do will not atone, but we can be thankful. Can we? we can be thankful. Anyway, in verse 25, then uh, Joseph commune, uh, commanded to fill their sacks with corn, to restore every man's money in his sack. Look at verse uh, 26. And they laded their asses with corn and departed thence, and as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender. In the end, he spied the money 
his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack. And their heart failed them, and, were, and they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God has done to us? You know, had they been able to pay their way, it wouldn't have shook them up half as bad. But when their money was there, they thought, Well, now we're really in trouble. We've got the corn and we've got the money too. And we want to pay our way. We want to be honest in this. You know, the Bible says the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Sometimes when God is so good, we see that this leads us to repentance. And yet they, they blame God. Notice, what is this that God has done to us? They're blaming God for it, and yet it's His goodness that's bestowed upon them. Sometimes the better God is to us, the more, more we blame Him for it. And that's what they... They had their sacks, they had their money, they had their corn, they had everything. It had been given to them, and now they say, no, it, it can't be this way. It's kind of like the sinner. He wants to work his way to heaven. There's no way, if he deserves it now, if it's by works, then his reward is... His reward is of works, isn't it? Not of grace. That's what the Bible says. Now look, verse 29. They came to Jacob their father into the land of Canaan and told him all that befell unto them, saying, The man who is the Lord of the land spake roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. And we said unto him, We are true men. We are no spies. We be twelve brethren, sons of our father. One is not. The youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. And the man... Uh, the Lord of the country said unto us, Hereby shall I know that ye are true men. Leave one of your brethren here with me, and take food for the famine of your households, and be gone, and bring your youngest brother unto me. Then shall I know that ye are no spies, but that ye are true men. So will I deliver you your brother, and ye shall traffic in the land. Now they kept Simeon down there. came to pass as they emptied their sacks that... Behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me ye have bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. What was old Jacob? He saw all this. He says, Joseph is not. He thought he was dead. Simeon is not. He's down there in prison held as a hostage, and you will take Benjamin away. You have to go back down there and take Benjamin. He says, all these things are against me. You know, sometimes when we think all things are against us, it's really working for us. It was for Jacob, wasn't it? Our greatest fears and suspicions sometimes do not pan out. Sometimes our greatest fears are our greatest blessings. He was afraid he was going to... He, he, he just knew Joseph was dead because they brought back the coat of many colors dipped in blood, remember? And then he, he thought, well, Simeon's down there and I'll never get him back. And he says, if they take Benjamin, evidently when uh, these brothers said that Joseph spake roughly, they thought, oh, this is a mean man down there. He won't even let us bring Benjamin back. If he goes down there, I'm taking another chance. I may lose him too. You see how, how fears can take hold of, of us when really in the midst of all the negative things that may be work, working in our lives, sometimes there's a positive outcome for it. And it really was very positive for Jacob and his brothers and all of them because finally Joseph, you know the story when we get there, Joseph was going to bring Jacob and all the family down into Egypt and sustain them during the famine. And they were going to be blessed and have the best of the land. But he couldn't see that. You see, sometimes we're very short-sighted in what God's doing. I can thank God I can look back through the years and uh, through the problems and trials and work of building a church and starting in an old building in the middle of town right up, right up next to the saloons and uh, 
saloons on both sides of me, and I can think of the, the going in the red to even get the front door open to get people in there. You know, there's a lot of fears and anxieties, but I knew the Lord was in it. But when you look back on that, you can see every step where God just opened the way and blessed and helped and He doesn't do it without effort. He doesn't do it without your concern. He doesn't do it without your determination. But He will do it. He will do it. And He's brought us safely thus far, hasn't He? We sing the song Amazing Grace. Reuben spake unto his father. This is verse uh, 37 of chapter 42. Keep your eyes on your Bible because sometimes something will just jump out at you and you'll say, that's real good there. Uh, Reuben spake unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. And he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in which ye go, then shall you bring down my grave hairs with saw to the grave. Now look at chapter 43. And the famine was sore in the land, came to pass when they had eaten up the corn, which they had brought out of the... Uh, brought out of the land of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little corn, a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, You shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For this, the, the man said unto us, You shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. Now look at this. And Israel said, Wherefore deal ye so ill with me as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother? He says, Why did you even tell? You know, we always look back and say, Why did you tell this? <laughs> we go back, don't we? We say, Now, if you hadn't have told him that, it wouldn't have, it worked out all right. <laughs> Old Jacob. Notice it says Israel said. It, used, it plays on his name. Jacob and Israel, Jacob and Israel, back and forth. We'll find that some more as we progress along. And they said, the man asked us straightly for our, of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Have you another brother? And we told him, according to the tenor of these words, could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? How did we know he's going to ask this? And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou and all, also our little ones. I will be surety for him, but my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned this second time. In other words, they... They, they're saying to Jacob, you just held us back this far because of your, your uh, stubbornness and not being willing to send Benjamin with us. You, we'd already be back with the corn, but you just kept on dragging your feet, so to speak. And their father Israel said unto them, it must be so now. Do this. Take of the best of the fruits in the land of your, in your vessels and carry down the man a present, a little balm, a little honey, spices, myrrh, nuts, and almonds. And take double money in your hand. And the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand, peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise, go again unto the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Old Jacob finally says, well, I'll just have to give them up if I have to. 
And the men took the present, that present, and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And Joseph saw Benjamin with them. He said to the ruler of his house, Bring these men home and slay and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house, and the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. This is too good to be true, isn't it? Now look. And they said, Because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time, uh, are we brought in that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for bondmen and our asses? And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food. They're going to tell, they're going to make all kinds of excuses for why they did this. They just knew they were in trouble. And you know, all along, that sometimes the deeper in trouble we think we are, the closer we are to getting the blessing. And that was true with them. They just had to admit what happened. And it came to pass when we, we came to the end that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack. Our money is in full weight, and we have brought it again in our hand. And other money have we brought down to our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put the money in our sacks. And he said, Peace be to you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your father has given you, you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought uh, Simeon out unto them. And the man brought uh, the, the men into Joseph's house and gave them water. And they washed their feet. And he gave uh, their asses provender. And they made ready the present against Joseph came at noon. And the, for they heard that they should eat bread there. When Joseph came home, they brought him to the present which was in their hand into the house and bowed themselves to him to the earth. What does that remind you of? Again, the dream. And he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant our father is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin. His mother's son, this, these two were full brothers, Joseph and Benjamin, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there. Joseph showed great compassion. He had to get out of there because he was about to just... Uh, break forth in tears. In verse 31, he washed his face and went out and refrained himself and said, Set on bread. And they set on for uh, him by himself and for them by themselves. And for the Egyptians which did eat with, with him by themselves. Because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And they set before him the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men marveled uh, one at another. Can you imagine as and Joseph seated them and put the firstborn and the next one and the next one and the next one right around the table. Can you imagine what they thought? Well, how does he know how God must be in this? Because look, they noticed it very definitely. And they marveled one another. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him, put their food in. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. <laughs> I remember my sister, Milton. She used to say, Louise said, did you read that? Says Jen, uh, Benjamin was five times as messy as the rest of those guys. <laughs> he gave Benjamin five times as much. But anyway, they made a big joke about that. And you know what five is, don't you? Five is the number of grace. And Joseph was showing Benjamin the 
most gracious hospitality that could be afforded. In chapter 44, and in chapter 44 we're going to find Jacob sends his sons again to buy corn. Uh, the continuation of 43 and verse 40, in chapter 44 is basically the same uh, story, only it's, uh, it's continuation of it. He commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. Put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest. Now Joseph had the silver cup put in Benjamin's sack. And his corn money, and he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city, and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his uh, steward, Up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? He's going to pretend that they had stolen his silver cup and put it in this youngest son's, youngest brother's sack, youngest son of Jacob. And uh, wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? Ye have done evil in so doing. And he overtook them, and he spake unto them these same words. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. We wouldn't steal anything from you. Behold, the money which we found in our sacks' mouths we brought again into thee out of, out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's uh, house silver or gold? With whomsoever of thy servant it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondman. Sometimes you make too many concessions, don't you? This got them in trouble because they didn't know. Of course, they were acting up on the basis of what they felt anyway, that they were not stealing anything. Verse 10, and he said, Now also let it be according to your, your words. You've spoken it. We'll do just what you say. Of course, it was a set-up deal to get Benjamin back down there and to, to reveal himself to them, and uh, a lot of things would happen as we progress along. But it says in verse uh, 11, Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground, and opened every man his sack, and he searched, and began at the eldest, and left at the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. What a disheartening thing now to them. Then they rent their clothes, and laid at every man his ass, and returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren uh, came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that you have done? What ye that not that such a man as I can certainly divine? And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak, or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy service. Behold, we are... Uh, my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. And he said, God forbid that I should do so. But the man in whose hand the, the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in the peace unto your father. This is what they didn't want. Anything but keeping Benjamin. You know, any one of them would have stayed. Or a half a dozen of them or all of them. But don't keep Benjamin because remember what Jacob said. He said, Joseph is not, Simeon is not, and you will take Benjamin away. And he just says, you'll bring down my gray hair song to the grave. Now look, then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have you uh, a father or a brother? He's telling him now what all Joseph said. Uh, and we said unto 
My Lord, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou saidest unto my servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidest unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with with you, you shall see my face no more. And it came to pass when we came up unto the, thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down. If our youngest brother, if our youngest brother be with us, then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, You know that my wife bare me two sons. The one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not sin. And if you take this also from me, and mischief befall him, you shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy Servant our father was sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame of, to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. Judah says, I want to stay here. You let Benjamin go back and everything will be okay. He said, just do this. I've told you the whole story. I've told you the whole truth of the matter. And then in verse uh, 1 of chapter 45, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before uh, all them that stood by him. And, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known to his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved grieve, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. You see, in all the wickedness that they had done, God had a purpose and a plan in it all. Sometimes we say, if we look, let me give you an example. Let's look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Look at all the time, all the length of time of his ministry that he was in prison, and yet he wrote more books of the New Testament than any other writer. And all of the epistles of Paul are so rich a contribution to our to a Bible in the New Testament. And yet look at his life. It was bound with trials and with oppression, with persecution. And if you read in the Corinthians where he tells of all the things that happened to him, he says he just begged them to let him boast a little bit. They brought it upon themselves because he, if you remember, Paul spoke to the people and he said, uh, if you have to be hear something about my life, I'll just prove it to you. I'll tell you something. And he says, forgive me this folly. Let me boast a little. And he had to do that because they were questioning Paul about his uh, qualifications and uh, to be an apostle and the things that they were questioning about. And he says, I just want you to listen to some of the things. And so he told them all of this. Now let's look here at Joseph. 
in verse uh, 5. You have chapter 45, verse 5. He says, Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now, it was not you that sent me hither, but God. You know, sometimes we fail to see God's overall plan, don't we? Remember when the wicked men took Jesus and crucified him? The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, I believe, verse 22 and 23, he says, Him, Christ, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken, ye have taken, and with wicked hands have crucified and slain. So it didn't relieve them of their wickedness, the wicked men in Jesus' day. Of cruci- They murdered Jesus. They crucified Him. And yet, God's overall purpose and plan was being wrought out And they didn't know that their wicked instrumentality was God's purpose and plan. And he says, you have taken with wicked hands and uh, crucified and slain. It says that God had foreordained that this would happen. Let's go on with this. In verse uh, 9, it says, Haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down uh, unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, Yet, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes uh, see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen, and ye shall haste to bring him, bring uh, down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's 